Uh, hello and welcome to Won't Stay Dead, a uh, podcast about horror and cult films. Uh, this week, uh, first week, first episode, we are um, going to be talking about uh, Dan O'Bannon's Return of the Living Dead. Uh, and uh, But before we start, I'll introduce the rest of the panel. Uh, in fact, actually, you can introduce yourselves. Go for it. Uh, yeah, hello, my name's uh, David. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to doing a Dan O'Bannon film, because, well, I love Dan O'Bannon, so should be good. Um, I'll hand you over to Paul. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's me. My name's Paul, and uh, I'm just looking forward to talking about this schlock fest that, that is Return <laughs> of the Living Dead. <laughs> cool, yeah, and uh, my name's Ian Todd. We're sitting here in North Belfast on a relatively warm spring Friday evening. Um, we've got our gym beam um, because each week we're going to be drinking stuff that is. <laughs> we're going to be drinking stuff that is related to the uh, podcast. So, um, Return of the Living Dead being set in Kentucky, we thought some nice uh, Kentucky bourbon would be just the ticket. And we've uh, also got uh, another selection, quite a selection of, of uh, different beers, like Punk IPA, because. Uh, because the soundtrack is filled with the damned and the cramps, and what else we got? <laughs> We've got some curious porter as well. Curious porter because this doesn't really seem. <laughs> it's a it's a curio <laughs> of cinema, and uh, we also have some finnick not finnegale, kinnegar uh, kinnegar, peel because it's local to us. And yeah. Finnegill sounds like a political party. Finnegill is the political leader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, down south. And we also have some August dinner, which is hard to get outside of Munich and is German, like one of the suspicious oh, cast yeah. members. Exactly. So we've thought this through. Big Ernie, who will we come and be discussing in some detail later on, I, I suspect. Um, but yeah, before we, before we kind of move on to uh, the main feature... Um, what have you guys been up to? Have you seen anything decent recently? Uh, yeah, I guess. Like I went to see uh, Dawn of the Dead in the waterfront there. Uh, I think Paul was there as well. I was. Uh, but it was done uh, with sort of the live soundtrack um, of the old Goblin crew. Well, I think it's... Uh, what do you call your man again? It's, Claudio Simonetti. Yeah, Simonetti. it was Simonetti. So I think he's got like new a new band and everything. But it, yeah, it was just he did a live soundtrack. It was really good. Like, well, the sound was a bit dodgy at the start. It was a bit dodgy. <laughs> But uh, it was excruciating at times. It was, wasn't it? It like, was. Yeah. Uh, but it picked up. I think it did. Second it did. Do you mean the yeah. sound of the the sound of the band or the sound of the film? So, sound of the band. No, sound of the film. Sorry, yeah, the sound yeah. of the band was impeccable. But the sound of the film was uh, was yeah um, was sometimes very 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 blurred and sometimes incredibly sharp, like painfully sharp. Yeah. But did you say it was something to do with um, because there wasn't uh, a film or it hadn't been filmed before without. The, the music yeah uh, there like was that? no no existing copy without the music so they had to digitally remove it so the digital soundtrack that was left was uh was all over the place but yeah. that that affected the first 30 minutes 40 40 minutes yeah. maybe and then and then just sort of bounced out i don't know i don't know yeah. why it I picked mean, up a wee bit like you definitely tell that it was still it still wasn't great no no but uh but the sound of the band was excellent like but like, yeah yeah absolutely yeah they'd obviously rehearsed that to within an inch of its its life but um yeah like things like i mean there's a motorcycle gang driving around the mall <laughs> yeah. which wasn't excruciating to listen to but the sound of somebody flicking a zippo lighter became yeah. almost definite <laughs> so that uh 
there was definitely some balance issues. Were people jumping off ladders? Yeah, to be yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was murder. Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was obviously I was going to go, but um, I had to I had to go away uh, for work, so I couldn't go, even though D had bought me a ticket. Um, but the, one of the things I was wondering is, do you know was it the Romero? kind of US British cut or was it the kind of was it the Argento Italian cut because I the I think it was the Argento yeah, one was it, it was or was it the Argento one I think, I think it was the Argento yeah, one don't yeah. you know by the it's by the music that play because some of the music was still in the film yeah. that yeah. the band doesn't do yeah that's right so. yeah yes exactly the, in the in the Romero version there's kind of other incidental music yeah um, which um, isn't in the Argento cut in the Argento cut it's just all it's just the Goblin soundtrack the whole the whole way through yeah, I think like um, yeah, there's a track. There's... I think it's when they do the um when the bicycle gang comes in and the motorcycle gang comes in. There's like a bit of music to play when they're throwing pies and the zombies yeah, faces and right, things yeah. like that. And I think you can tell by the music in that scene. I think. Okay. But I can't remember what it is. I know there's one. It's that tune that's in. Oh, what do you call that? Is Robot Chicken? Have you ever seen that? Have you seen no, that? No, no. It's it's the, it's the same music they do for their outro. Right. But it's in one of the Dawn of the Dead cuts. But it's it wasn't in this one. Okay, well you can also tell by the the opening se- sequence. You know when it's on the uh, kind of red carpet wall at the very start. Mm-hmm. In the in the Romero cut, it's just that kind of music. <laughs> but in the um, in the Argento cut, it's like that. Jing jing. That was definitely the Argento yeah, cut. Then. Oh, okay, yeah. definitely. <laughs> That's interesting because uh, the, the, there's actually. Um, Kind of extra scenes. I mean, I, I think the uh, the uh, Romero cuts definitely the superior of the two. I think the Argento cuts actually quite sloppy. It is. Um, so you could notice that, like at yeah. times, it's sort of like it cuts sometimes after they've just said something, so it cuts almost too soon. Yeah. And it seems like they've just been cut off. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually happens quite a lot in uh, Italian horror films. Yeah. yeah. Is Especially Argento films. Yeah, yeah, and Fulci quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's it's actually worth seeing. Um, because it has uh, extra scenes that aren't that aren't in the Romero uh, uh, either of the Romero cuts, the director cut or the um, theatrical version. Okay. So even if you even if you aren't really that arsed seeing it, it's worth seeing it just for the extra scenes. There's an extra scene where Roger and Peter, I think, you know, when they're kind of um starting to uh you know secure the prison with the lor- with the lorries and everything there's an extra scene there where they're talking and i think there's a few extra scenes throughout um so it's definitely worth seeing even even just for that but um yeah i didn't go to the dawn of the dead one but um we went to see the suspiria version yeah i missed that um it was good it's the same thing basically claudio simonetti and a new band doing the goblin soundtrack for suspiria which was pretty joyous. Yeah, they played that track at the end actually, because yeah. they stayed on and played like a few sort of themes from other films yeah. of Argento. Great so, hit. Yeah. yeah, it was really really good. Uh, but then there was a lot of people leaving, sort of weirdly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For some unknown reason. Yeah, well, you you were saying they did the uh, Tenebrae uh, uh, Tenebrae soundtrack. Yeah, they played Tenebrae. They played Profondo Rosso. Uh, oh. Yeah, it was, it was. I I really enjoyed it. Like, um, but I wonder will like will they actually come back and do Tenebrae then, or will, you know, and, yeah. and do Suspiria, uh, or no, not Suspiria, um, Profondo Rosso. I wonder will they? They will might they, do. Will, will they the, keep doing the, it? The Belfast Film Festival seems to be very very keen on it. I mean, they had, yeah. they actually had that as their finishing night, although it wasn't the finishing night of the festival. They they had the festival going on for another two days, or so, <laughs> but they they made that their big finale. Before the actual festival finished, so the Belfast Film Festival, I think, would 
I'm not, I can't speak for them, but I imagine they would probably <laughs> have them back. back you know, it, yeah. Cool, yeah. And the other weird thing was that it, it only seemed to be um, Belfast and Dublin. I don't think I, yeah. don't, I don't think it yeah. went to the UK at all, or the yeah. you know Britain at all. Yeah. Yeah. I would go see them if, uh, if they came back and played those. Yeah, I, I'd I'd go and see them even if it was just a gig, just a just, I just, just, yeah, a, just yeah. a Dublin gig. Yeah, they, were, they were tight and they were well, pretty pretty in there, like pretty out there. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> they showed up at the after party as well. Yeah. I think there was like well, the rap party was it of the the festival was in yeah. the black box. Yeah, and that's right. They they turned up like so yeah. I didn't go. So. <laughs> no, neither did I. <laughs> There's another bar around the corner, like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but. That was that was Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. What about Return of the Living Dead? They, um... Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Do you want to play the trailer? Okay. Okay. Get everyone uh, in the mood. Should I just say before we play the trailer that I suppose it's a good link as well because of the Romero uh, links to Return of the Living Dead. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what did you call the director again? It's Return. Um, or not the director, sorry, the writer. Was well, it, it was uh, John, John A. Russo, who'd... Yeah. Um, he had an involvement with Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, he was yeah. a writer and, that, and yeah. an actor. He was and... a writer, I think, and also, yeah, he and a few of the other Return of the Living Dead writers were screenplay people, and all, and, all, and obviously it being, Night of the Living Dead being a kind of low-budget zombie film that obviously needed plenty of zombie extras, they also, I think, played zombies. Mm. Yeah. Um... So yeah, and 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 there was a whole um kind of legal issue with uh with that. Yeah, you know, with they, the... they wanted to take the Living Dead out of the title. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Uh, but yeah, sure. Crack oh, on with okay. it. Yeah. We'll take that. In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. is how do we get them back into the ground? Bert, Frank, we have a little problem. Four left, ten right. It's all over everything. Stupid asshole. Watch your tongue, boy, if you like this job. Like this job. Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right. Brains. Terry 
Yes, I'm confused. Send more cops. It worked in the movie. Well, it ain't working now. Bring the movie line. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. Do you the return of the living dead. So yeah, we were so yeah we were talking there about the uh, legal uh, issue with um, Return of the Living Dead, and it was essentially because John A. Russo had worked, um, I think he'd maybe written uh, with um, George Romero. He'd written he and George Romero had written uh, Night of the Living Dead, and so after the success of Night of the Living Dead, um, I think he started writing uh, what was what was going to be a sequel, which was Return of the Living Dead, while Romero was working on Dawn of the Dead. And apparently the the, the uh, pair of them kind of remained friends throughout the whole thing. And by the sounds of things, it was mostly just uh, lawyers kind of getting involved and making making a bigger issue out of it. Uh, it was essentially, it was the, the, the phrase, um, the living dead, which was the issue. Um, you know, um, it was the idea that uh, John John Russell was just going to go off and make a, make a film without Romero's um, permission, without his say, and use the living dead title. Um, but uh, it's it's weird because I mean, Night of the Living Dead was made in like sixty eight, sixty nine, something like that, um, and then Dawn of the Dead I think was late seventies, but then Return of the Living Dead doesn't they don't start filming that until nineteen eighty four. No, which is I, I like they started writing it as a series, um, like a, a serious remake um, in nineteen seventy eight or something like that. Yeah, but uh, or a serious sequel in nineteen seventy eight. But um, yeah, obviously, yeah. There's massive deviations in terms yeah. of well, how the zombies actually, you know, well, how they are compared yeah. to the well, the dead series, yeah. the Romero series, anyway. Definitely, they they yeah. talk and they <laughs> they've they lucid conversations. And yeah, surprisingly mm. intelligent as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, because I I actually watched it last night. I think probably more recently than than you guys like. Uh, so I kind of left at the last minute, mm-hmm. but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I suppose that we'll maybe leave it till later. But there's one scene in particular I thought uh, sort of demonstrated a strange intelligence by by the zombies when you you don't necessarily expect that from zombie yeah. films. I think I think yeah I think it's I know what, what scene you're talking about. I think it actually is. Yeah. But but the the interesting thing is that the uh, the the anniversary edition Blu-ray came out. So eighty four, what would it be? Thirtieth anniversary, I guess. And it came out, and I was reading the liner notes, and the liner notes actually claim that uh, Return of the Living Dead is more, is uh, closer in tone to Night of the Living Dead than Dawn of the Dead, which yeah, I, I absolutely don't. I don't see that. I don't agree I don't, with. I don't, I don't agree with that, that at all. I don't understand how, that, mm. because. As, as we've already said, you know, in Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, the zombies are, you know, placid, yeah. shuffling. Yeah. You know, they're kind of unaware of what they're doing. Dawn of the Dead is, is, uh, but is also to... satire, and it's uh, it's it's a more subtle satire, but yeah. uh, Return of the Living Dead is, is, is definitely yeah. satire. But Night, I'd of, say Night that... of the Living Dead, not so much. Just throw it in at times in Dawn of the Dead. Like, I was going to say, like, well, Return of the Living Dead is, like, tongue-in-cheek, also, like, literally at times. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but like, it, it, as, as you said, it's definitely more subtle in Dawn, but there's yeah. certainly scenes 
or especially in Dawn of the Dead with the pie scene where they throw pies yeah, in zombie yeah. spaces no. and things like that. And there's a few Muzak scenes. Yeah, exactly. As well. Yeah. Um, which obviously are supposed to represent modern day shoppers. Yeah. And things yeah, like yeah. that. Everybody banging into the doors. Yeah. Get yeah. into the mall. Yeah. I love that bit where um, Fran is putting on the makeup and it's actually it's George O'Mara's wife. But she's doing the kind of, um, you know, the automatic voice and it's attention all shoppers. And it's just, it's done so well. Yeah, it's actually, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I, I would say Return of the Living Dead would be closer in tone to like Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because they're kind of wisecracking, they're kind of, you know, yeah. any gore. I mean, the uh, scene where, um, you know, uh, Suicide, the kind of main punk guy. Oh, yeah, the guy with the axes on the back. Yeah. Whenever he gets eaten by um, Tarman, as the the zombies called, um, it's it's actually quite gruesome. But but like Evil Dead too, and also a bit like you know Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, it kind of it it gets away with horrendous gore and violence because because yeah. it's funny it because it's funny. a kind of element of black humor yeah. Yeah. to it. Um, it's slapstick. It's slapstick it gore. Is, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was I was reading a bit as well about the guy that did the animatronics, like for that, uh, the tar tar guy, Tarman, yeah, Tarman, and um, yeah, it was the same guy that worked on Muppets uh, films. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, that's that's a cool it kind of might actually explain a lot the way like because he is essentially a cartoon character in a way. <laughs> yeah, 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 very much so. Yeah. yeah, but he's briefly in it as well, which yeah, I, I don't yeah. understand how why he's become such a big. You know, icon of the film and of you know. Well, he stands out the most, like, um, and that's the one thing I think that most people who probably saw it at the time came away with that whole brains thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that's I think actually most people now associate zombies with that sort of saying. You know, yeah, the yeah. Brains, brains, yeah, brains, yeah, yeah. But it was the first. Which is, is a weird, a, a really really <laughs> strange, uh, like turning point in the sort of zombie genre is like yeah. these guys just wandering around shouting brains and then having a. <laughs> A lucid conversation about their own existential problems. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> um, it's. But it was the. F- I mean, it was the. F- it was the the film that that introduced that idea of brains, and apparently, um, John John Russo, um, wasn't aware of it, and when he read the when he read the screenplay, um, he kind of thought it was a bit weird. You know, he, mm-hmm. he kind of he wasn't he, he kind of it kind of took him by surprise this idea that the zombies were only after. Yeah. brains well I think yeah. that that was the point we were talking about in the first place wasn't it that your man Toby Hooper had been drafted in the first place to write this film and he probably would have taken a far more serious tone with yeah, it yeah that would have been yeah. so, like, a very very so, yeah. well, Toby Hooper's the guy different for anybody who's listening to, directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, so wasn't he he was the yeah, yeah. Toolbox Murders I think as well no did he, um, was de- he involved with that I'm not sure but he did de- uh, Death Trap I've seen yeah with uh, Robert England. Robert England's in it, yeah, and also yeah. um, the the girl who plays Sally Hardesty in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She kind of returns for a similar role, but um, yeah, Death Trap's a great film. Uh, Strange film. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a weird film. <laughs> um, it's uh, what, like how do you explain Death Trap? It's pretty much a guy that owns a motel. But it was a weird guy who owns a motel who kills people with a scythe and has and feeds them to his They're, pet alligator. Yeah. Pet alligator. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much the whole film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but did he not have some sort of involvement with Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Who? Uh, Toby Hooper. Yeah, well, so, he was, he, he, toolbox yeah. murders. Oh, toolbox murders. Oh, I thought he did Texas Chainsaw. No, Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. You're right. He did Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. Yeah, he was the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah, but I don't think he had anything to do with toolbox murders. Did he not? Oh, okay. But uh, I'm not, I don't, I'm sure. Well, 
I'm sure we can look it up, but um, yeah, so the whole legal thing, I think um, people kind of make um, more out of it than than it really was. You did, actually. Uh, toolbox murders. Sorry. Oh, there you go. I stand corrected. So what yeah. was it? Uh, toolbox murders. Uh, he was director as well. Yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. You're completely right. Toby Hooper directed Toolbox Murders? Yep. Yeah, because uh, I've never actually seen the original. I've only seen the uh, Yeah, he directed 2004 edition anyway. Oh, um, so he directed, oh, the, so he oh, so he directed yeah. the remake? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was under the impression the original was a kind of Italian giallo. You know, like it was oh, an Italian uh, director, Dennis Donnelly. Oh, there you yeah, go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Salem's Lot as well. And Poltergeist, which is fucking beautiful. Oh yeah, Poltergeist. I love Poltergeist. I didn't know yeah. I did that. Poltergeist yeah. 2 is... Uh, no, Poltergeist 3, sorry. I think is set in an apartment block. I haven't seen and that. And it's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's so shit. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't even think I've seen um, the second one, actually. It's... I can't remember anything about the second one. Uh, well, I, it's the, whatever the second one is, uh, or whatever the one that's set in an apartment block is, I think it's the third one. It's 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 terrible, but uh, I love it. <laughs> But yeah, well, uh, that's another link. Um, the guy who played Scuzz in Return of the Living Dead, his his favorite horror film at the t- before he got the job, his favorite horror film was uh, Poltergeist. Oh yeah, Scuzz, the guy with the mohawk. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. He's the one that pulls down the roof or of the car. He like ruins the car when the rain gets in. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. For anybody yes. that hasn't seen it, it's most of the the cast are uh, just comic book punks who uh, <laughs> yeah. decide to party in a graveyard. And they, uh, basically, basically badass Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo was swearing and, and nakedness. <laughs> so, um, naked dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good. It is like uh, Scooby Doo is a good comparison actually because they're all very cartoon like. Yeah, they really are actually. Yeah, especially Trash and who's the female? Yeah, protagonists. And well, she's not the protagonist, but she's one of the. Yeah, she's not in it for that long, but she does seem like one of the main characters. Yeah, yeah she, she, she dies and then then comes back and bites a few people in the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that I mean she's, she, I mean she and Tarman are probably the kind of the most the most iconic images yeah, yeah. Uh, on the, in the film. Uh, suicide um, also stands out to me though as well yeah yeah exactly well uh, Trash was played by uh, Linnea Quigley was her name and I kind of did a bit of research into her and she seems to have just done horror, <laughs> horror films and B-movies yeah, yeah she's got a horror workout DVD I found seriously <laughs> she, <laughs> that's hilarious did you watch it? Uh, no <laughs> don't know where you would find it um, so she played um, Bondi's mother in Don't Go Near the Park do you oh, that? Yeah. I have seen, seen Don't Go Near the Yeah. <laughs> Don't Go Near the Park is absolutely hilarious. Um it's about um these guys who uh this guy and his sister who are sentenced to eternal life but never death. And they never and they never age or something and yeah, every yeah. thousand years they have to kill a virgin or something like <laughs> that. But this is oh, it's it's absolutely hilarious. It doesn't sound <laughs> hilarious, but it's just so badly done. Apparently the, the guy was only nineteen when he made it. Uh she played uh, Dolores in graduation day. She played Heather in Savage Streets, which was a uh, film starring Linda Blair after she... Um, oh, okay. oh, yeah. Because yeah. after The Exorcist, Linda Blair was going to be the next big thing. She, she, thinks yeah. she, she won an Oscar for The Exorcist, but she was caught um, doing coke and like, pretty, pretty much ruined her, her career. At the Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she played Denise in Silent Night, Deadly Night. She played Suzanne in Night of the Demons, and she is also credited as a soul from Freddy's chest in Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Is Night of the Demons... 
Is that anything to do with Night of the Demon? The the 50s movie? No. No? No. No, I don't think so. Fair enough. Uh, she, uh, um, I, I read a little about a little bit about trash uh, when she was uh, obviously she's she's naked for most of her her performance, um, but apparently she uh, she had quite quite a lot of pubic hair, and the uh, <laughs> the director thought or the producer I think actually thought no this is this won't do this is uh, this is really? too offensive it won't, it won't ever show on TV if we have pubic hair so we'll shave it. And then he realized, no, actually, this looks so much worse. So we'll make a fake, a fake crutch for her. And he made a fake crutch. And then he went, no, this looks so much worse again. We can't let you grow your pubic hair back. We'll just have to edit it so you never really see your crutch. Exactly. You don't see her. It is quite dark, actually, whenever she's doing the dancing. Well, apart from the flowers, which people light up. And, I mean, initially she's got that kind of um, thing, you know, Covering her, you know, like part of the clothes she's wearing, and but when she tears that off, I think you only you only see her naked, fully naked from behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but that I mean, and that's weird. I mean, because that, that's obviously because it was because it was nineteen eighty four. Um, you know, it was kind of uh, like there's obviously a kind of way that. You know, w- naked women in films are are supposed to supposed to look according to these you know ideas of female beauty or whatever. But you know that was yeah. at a time when pubic hair was you know female porn stars would have had pubic hair, things yeah. like that. So that's why she initially had the pubic hair. But so it's weird that the producer thought that that it would be so offensive that it wouldn't get on TV that he had they had to actually shave it off. Um, yeah, the character trash was initially called legs. Oh yeah, oh, God, really? <laughs> yeah, in the script. Just called legs. Um, they, they still sound like they're they're taken from like uh, characters from like New York punk scene, like you know, yeah, uh, New York Dolls, Trash, Legs, McNeil, uh, Suicide, Scuzz, uh, Scuzz, yeah, Scuzz, yeah, and Tina, and Tina, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody was called Tina in New York. Um, but the so uh, yeah, uh, Trash was originally going to be played by uh, Jewel Shepherd, who play actually plays Casey, the girl who dressed in blue okay and she has the kind of the sort of it's kind of a mohawk but not yeah really it's uh i don't um, know how you describe that her style but the thing is and and the more you kind of you know read and watch and 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 hear about return of the living dead and dan o'bannon you kind of realize that he was a bit of a he was a bit weird and i'm not sure whether or not he was actually that nice a person but he he met um uh, Jewel Shepherd in a strip club. She was a stripper. Oh yeah. Okay. She'd uh, come to Hollywood, I think, uh, to uh, be an actress, and she was working in a strip club. Um, and he immediately saw her talent and, and her he, acting. <laughs> yeah, and he was in he was in the strip club. His talent jiggled in front of his face. <laughs> obviously, quite a lot. Um, and so he he cast her, and he wanted to cast her as trash. Yeah. But she was she was fed up of only ever being cast in roles. Where she, was where she had to be naked. Yeah. So Fair she, boy, I guess. Yeah, so she didn't want to do it, so yeah. he cast her as um, Casey. Uh, and, the, and there was a rumour going around that um, he only cast her because um, he'd had sex with her. Yeah. Which she denies, and which is obviously just this whole thing. You know, if you're a stripper, then obviously you're also a yeah, prostitute. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I think that's unfair. Um, Could have been his rumour. Who knows? Either way, like he ended up casting her as a, what I thought was a pretty horrible character. Yeah. <laughs> but the way she gets on with your man Chuck, anyway. 
Because there's, yeah. there's definitely nothing like... He's sort of cast as well by the other characters as kind of a desperate figure. But there's nothing he ever says that sort of betrays him as that. Like, no, no, true. And actually, actually, you, there could be something in that. Um, in that he... Uh, Dan O'Bannon has cast her as this figure who detests this guy who's trying to be nice to her. And, well, he's sort of trying to get in her pants. But she uh, is... Uh, or he definitely is... But he, um, <laughs> he, no matter how much he tries, she's always, no matter what he does, she's always going to detest him and, you know, put him down. And maybe this was his sort of, his, yeah. his take on his relationship with, with Jewel. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Awesome. May not have been, but, um. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's a scene where she kind of leads him on, isn't there? And she, there is. She kind yeah. of um, tries to make. She makes. She makes yeah. out as if she's going to something like you'd love to do it with me. I think is the quote. Something, something like that. Yeah. And then yeah. doesn't she say, "Go, go, go, choke your chicken." Yeah, go choke yeah. your chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that she had to say that line over and over again because the act, actress didn't actually know what choking a chicken meant. <laughs> so the line had to be said over and over again <laughs> until well, she got like, it right. I think his response is, "You know, it's like uh, oh, uh, a, a guy like me and a girl like you." That's all he says. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Surprised that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, it was a bit a uh, bit of a cruel kind of put like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but that's not like the worst part. I thought was it's there's a bit towards the end. I think when they're locked up in the warehouse, and she says something along the lines of, "You know, I never really liked you." <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which I yeah. thought was a bit crazy. He, so he, he's making her into be this this horribly cruel femme fatale that uh, is. O'Bannon is. Yeah, he's, he's giving her this role of uh, this this bitch basically, um, and she has well from his perspective, she has put him down. She's rejected him. This is um, yeah. This is him getting his his own back by making her out to be a bitch on on screen. I suppose so, but I mean. Generally, in kind of horror films from this period, I'm usually <laughs> I'm generally on 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 the women's side because the, the the men in especially you know if you look at something like the Friday the Thirteenth series, the men are just absolutely yeah, grotesque. Aren't they're, they're dicks. <laughs> and like, but I mean, uh, this isn't uh, you. Yeah, you can be totally be on her side. Um, mm-hmm. She uh, well, on the act from from an actor's perspective, you know, yeah. uh, she uh, she's been cast in a role where she is a dick, but in real life obviously he is the one pursuing her and she she has every right to reject him yeah as mm-hmm. in the film she has every right to reject him in the film as well right but, uh she, she's cruel about it in the film mm-hmm. was she cruel about it in real life we don't know well I, i'm not so sure there's like uh i'm not so sure that he ever really came under properly i think it was more that he it seemed like he was propositioned first maybe and yes yeah. but yeah uh, but there's certainly plenty of horrible male characters anyway in fact yeah I would say like nobody really comes off. No, as, no, as a positive character. Yeah, no. Is there anyone in the film that you'd actually want to hang around with? Uh, no, Freddy no. maybe. No, Freddy. Freddy's a nice. I don't know. Freddy's Freddy's a fool. <laughs> Freddy's a massive fool. Um, he does look a bit like Woody Harrelson. Yeah, he does. He does yeah. actually look like Woody Harrelson. Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I was uh, when I was watching it. Uh, uh, recently, I'd, I'd seen it. Or, I'd seen it before on TV, but when I watched it uh, quite recently on YouTube, I thought, "Shit, that's Woody Harrelson for about ten minutes." And <laughs> then I, I realized it wasn't. I have very, very low quality, uh, very low quality production or reproduction. Yeah. Production, but 
but do really like um is it frank you call him the guy that works with freddy yeah um, yeah i really like his character <laughs> just because he seems like the sort of fellow you'd like i think a lot of us would know who talks a lot of shit yeah <laughs> yeah 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 although exactly. i mean see Whenever Freddy says, you know, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen? And he completely and utterly relishes telling Freddy oh, yeah. about this thing. Yeah. And it sounds like utter bullshit. But then he shows them he shows them the tank and he yeah. shows them the dead body. <laughs> actually, and, funny you should ask me that. The weirdest thing I've ever seen is actually just down these stairs. And it's the weirdest thing anybody's ever seen. It's a load of bodies frozen. <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't care to mention, do you? But it's there. Yeah. I know. And then... Um, and it's interesting because then, then you've got that whole um, kind of subplot with the, uh, you know, the uh, U.S. military guy kind of they're, oh, they're yeah. continuously yeah. trying to find oh, the, the guy yeah, yeah. clearly hits his it's, life. And yeah, and clearly yeah. hits his, and he's his an wife as well. He's an absolute yeah. dick to his wife. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. Well, uh, this is this is a strange thing about the film. Uh, there's obviously um, there's obviously a big uh, campaign on the on behalf of the U.S. military. Well, maybe, maybe it's not a big campaign, but this guy seems to think it's a big campaign. He lives in a big mansion. And he's tasked with finding these bodies that they've they've shipped somewhere, but they don't know where they've shipped them. <laughs> and these typical guys, military fuck yeah, up, typical military fuck up. <laughs> what what are, what an accident! These guys <laughs> who have these guys who specialize in medical supply medical uh, what what do they call it? You need a medical yeah. supply. You need medi- <laughs> medical supplies. It's like you know skeletons, fake skeletons, things like that. We're not fake skeletons. From India, yeah, incidentally, so. um, and. They've received them, but they've never ever reported that they've received them in error. But they just keep them in their basement and mm. sort of worry about them, but mm. never bother reporting to the military. The military have never bothered to check with the guys who <laughs> actually supplied them to the wrong place. Like, where did you make other deliveries in this day? Whatever you know, mm. surely it's easy to find. What's that about? I don't know. It's it's obviously maybe it's obviously I'm picking a plot hole. Yeah. But, uh, I think that the, the thing about this yeah. film is there's plenty of like kind of plot holes. I think. Yeah, in, yeah. In terms of well, how the zombies act or why characters do things. Well, true. Or one true. of the major ones I noticed actually when I watched it recently was uh, do you remember when they go into the embalming room? Yeah. And your man uh, Ernie is working on a body. Uh-huh. And the body just disappears later on. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's never yeah. Um, accounted for, never explained how they got rid of it. That's <laughs> true, because if all the other bodies are awaking and. Yeah, and what happened to that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was true. also kind of thinking when I was watching it about uh, well, what happens whenever, well, obviously, when they the crack the ceiling of the original zombie and mm-hmm. they get infected. And then the whole plot is that they move this sort of, well, severed body that they've found that's the cadaver in the 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 room in the medical supply yeah yeah the, uh, yellow yeah, yeah. The, yeah, they, yeah. Chop, they chop that up and they move it over to the uh hmm. the well the embalming room where there's the uh what do you call it the thing that burns bodies uh, the crematorium. Crematorium. crematorium so they burn this and then that creates the rain yeah that sort of goes over the the cemetery yeah brings everything else back to life but why does that not seem to affect everybody else yeah, yeah, like, true. Well, like when the, yeah, the, the guys who, who breathe, breathe into fumes to begin with, yeah. are, are, the, the, are, it seems to burn them. As yeah, they keep saying, but doesn't exactly. seem to turn yeah. them into zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they do. Sure, uh, Freddie and Frank do turn into zombies. Freddie and Frank do. Oh but yeah, but nobody they, that's else the problem. Because the, yeah, they get infected. It's like the whole thing, like they get infected by the gas or whatever. But the rain doesn't seem to affect anybody who's a live person. Yeah, it could be a concentration of the gas, I suppose. But it but, does. Yeah. 
Like whenever the whenever not when they're alive. Whenever, start, alive. whenever it starts raining in the graveyard, trash is complaining that the rain's burning her skin. No, that's the thing. Like, uh, yeah, it does burn their skin, but okay. it doesn't yeah. seem to affect them in terms of the way it affected uh, Freddie and Frank. It doesn't turn them into a zombie until no. until they've died. Yeah, yeah. Um, where where maybe it should because it did to them when they inhaled the gas and stuff. Yeah, yeah. which could the, be a bit of a problem. Talking about the crematorium, that's that's one of the the sort of weirder aspects of it. And kind of chilling in a way, kind of actually chilling, um, more than the the, the the chills that come from from sassy zombies that are yeah. asking for brains, <laughs> chasing brains. And uh, uh, you've mentioned before about uh, the German character Ernie. Oh yeah, Ernie, Ernie Kaltenbrunner. Ernie, who is probably a Nazi, probably an escaped Nazi. Yeah, He's, uh, listening to to Third Reich. Marching Pan, music. It's and, like March of the Panzer Tanks. That yeah, the, yeah, it's the, exactly. Yeah. The like, Panzer Reiten yeah. Four or something yeah. like that. The yeah. pan, the Panthers march forward. And his, his name is is a shortened uh, shortened Nazi, well known Nazi's name. Yeah, it was Kalten, Ernst. Ernst. Yeah. Uh, Ernst. I think it was just er, Ernst Kaltenbrunner. Yeah, it's uh, hung at Nuremberg. Um, yeah. Yeah, apparently he was wheeled in as well uh, because he wasn't feeling well. He was wheeled <laughs> in on a wheelchair. <laughs> right. And. Uh, Sort of, I think he made an apology speech as well. Oh yeah. Well, this is the the actual guy that existed. Um, yeah, yeah. Pretty much said that he was sorry, sorry to Germany and sorry he couldn't account for crimes that he didn't know anything about. Right. Even though he was uh, in charge of the concentration camps. Yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah. that's the same with most of the high up uh, Nazi leaders. Yeah. They have a tendency to be lying yeah. bastards, like. <laughs> bloody and, Nazis, and also total, total dicks. Like. But uh, bang yeah. out of order, the Nazis. Weren't they? <laughs> they were bang out of order. But apparently, stopped. Uh, <laughs> Fuck those guys. He stopped Himmler from being promoted as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And apparently, like Hitler favored him more than right Himmler. Huh. But some people think it's because uh, because of the way he looked. It looked yeah. scar on his had, face. Yeah, he had a massive scar on his face, so yeah. apparently, he's quite intimidating. Right. Yeah, yeah. and so, yeah, that that's uh, like a. a Aristocratic look uh, from in yeah from German families like old <laughs> yes. German families they have dueling scars and it's it's a, oh, uh, yeah. a, a distinguishing mark uh, cool an uh, aristocratic Germany but in the in the case of um, Ernie in the film it it is weird because I mean I don't know maybe maybe this is something that um, American um, people might be kind of more more kind of uh, familiar with but the fact that like whenever they go across to kind of ask his help. Whenever um, Bert goes across to ask his help, uh, yeah, oh yeah. In, uh, incidentally, it's funny that the the two friends are called Bert and Ernie. Apparently, yeah. O'Bannon had no idea. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. But yeah. whenever he goes across and he and he kind of, I can't remember if he taps him on the shoulder or just says his name. The first thing Ernie does is pull a gun out of his oh, yeah. and just point it straight at him. <laughs> yeah, um, and apparently and, it's, a, it's a Walther. Oh, so it's, it's a guy. Yeah. It's, a, it's a German, a, a, um, a Nazi gun. And I don't know, maybe, maybe in a place like America, there are people with kind of, you know, itchy trigger fingers. But whenever you, whenever you watch that in the context of knowing the whole, you know, he's supposed to be a Nazi in hiding, then he's, he's obviously really paranoid. So yeah. anyone coming into his house might be, you know, a Nazi hunter mm. or someone, you know. <laughs> so there's obviously that. And apparently, I think... In, I read that he, somewhere in the background there's a picture of Ava Brown on his wall. Yeah, there's yeah. a picture of Hitler anyway. Is uh, there? There's like a caricature of like Hitler. Um, you can notice it definitely when he. Uh, it's after the scene where they bring in the bits of the body. Uh, yeah. There's the bit like the arm grabs him and yeah, like, rips yeah. part of his uh, trousers. It's it's the scene where he's cutting his trousers. You can uh-huh. see 
I guess if you're watching it, it'd be to their to the right hand side. You can see, yeah, yeah, a picture of Hitler in the background. But it, it, there could be a picture of Eva. Yeah, I think there is. There, there is a picture um, of, and there's also, I don't know. There, there's also this weird, uh, weird emotion he experiences first when the arm is grabbing towards him, like this, this sort of, like, I don't know. It, it seems like a, a like an, an existential guilt of something like, like somebody reaching out to him. Yeah, <laughs> like something, some, something deathly reaching out to him that, that they've seen before in yeah. a more horrible circumstance. It's a, like an echo of a, of a horrendous thing that he's done, and uh, when the dead talk to him about about feeling pain as well, like when that when there's a, a dead woman, a zombie, a part of half a woman lying on a slab, <laughs> chained oh, down, yeah. talking to them all very <laughs> loosely about feeling pain, which is a weird thing for a zombie movie as well, but uh, he seems to feel a seems to yeah experience some sort of horrible memory as well some sort of horrible guilt that uh, well we've actually got a clip the rest don't don't experience and we do have a clip and uh, should we Ian listen? is going to play it <laughs> shall we play the clip then right now you can hear me yes why do you eat people not people brains brains only yes why The pain of being dead. It hurts to be dead. I can feel myself rot. Eating brains. How does that make you feel? It makes the pain go away. Hey, look, man. Fuck this. I gotta talk to you. No. One of the things you notice um, is whenever you're watching that scene is Ernie's Ernie's face, his his expression when he's doing it. He's he, he's so he's so caught up in it. He's kind of his his eyes are wide open and he can, almost can't believe what what's going on. And he's, you can see the sweat. And I wonder is that just the character? You know, we've obviously come face to face with you know this is absolutely an absolute you know this is horrendous what's happening to these people yeah. but is it also you know a bit of guilt because he he, he makes the comment you know um, it hurts to be dead yeah. yeah so if he's like a Nazi in hiding yeah he's obviously and I mean yeah there, there's that whole Nazi in hiding theory which I I just I did just uh, talk about but at the same time I suppose on balance there's the fact that he's a mortician as well yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. and he deals with the dead all the time and his his uh, mortuary is right beside this graveyard where these people have come from so he has buried these people most likely yeah. uh, people that are half decayed or pro- have probably been buried by mm. by Ernie so he, he's watching these people that he has uh, he's prepared for for burial mm. uh, come back to him and complain about uh, he's done things to them he's he's um, Broken the rigor mortis, as he describes earlier, yeah. uh, by bending their limbs and breaking their arms, things like that. Uh, and he's he's shoved them full of formaldehyde, things like that. You know, poked poked needles into them, whatever. And uh, to find out that they felt it, that's obviously going to be some sort of horror as well. Hmm. But there is the whole Nazi element where he has a, he has a crematorium. He yeah. happily throws throws somebody into the the crematorium, watch them burn. That's that's something 
that's quite quite chilling if you yeah. if you take the Nazi perspective. <laughs> it's actually it's very chilling if you take the Nazi perspective. I was kind of thinking like I remember thinking this anyway when I was watching Dawn of the Dead. I started thinking this about zombies in general anyway. Like it's it's sort of an analogy about how the dead essentially affect the present. Yeah. In a way, and the terror yeah, that comes from yeah. it, and how there's always a hangover from the previous generation, or mm-hmm. well, many previous generations, and how it affects us. And I think it's played out in how zombies affect us. And I think that's a good one in yeah. terms of because he's you know seen as this Nazi character that maybe supervised well, essentially parts of the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. And that's come back to haunt him essentially, like literally as well. Like, uh-huh. yeah, so, um, but the thing but, about it also is um, how. To what extent is is he actually a Nazi in hiding? Because whenever I first watched the film, I I think um, I think I first saw the film. D, you and I were talking about it there earlier. Um, I think it was like a party at one of our friends' house, and you you'd bought it round, and it was one of these kind of all day house parties. So it started mm-hmm. at like one o'clock. Yeah, it was Lloyd's house. Okay, and we were round and we started watching it. And I think that was the first time I ever saw it, and it didn't occur to me then. And then when I bought it on DVD and watched it, it didn't occur to me then. So no. it's not it's not immediately apparent, no. you know. It's it, it's not like apt pupil where but you know, I, I, you know. I don't think in a in a film like this where everything is so so over the top, uh, comic booky and cartoonish, you don't really look for something like that. No, uh, yeah, you know, but you're you're, but consider- you're, not, you're not receptive to something like that. So it, it's it's like they've uh, put something that's way above. Way above its intellectual level in uh, in their film, that, yeah, yeah. You know. right, but at the same time, it also like could just be us reading too much into it as it well. It could be. It could <laughs> well be. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like it, it could just be. Seen, he is more Portray him as a Nazi to be this kind of creepy guy, just because I, I think like one of you guys mentioned earlier, it could just be the American stereotype of oh let's pick a bad guy to be a yeah. Nazi yeah they will yeah, make true. him creepy as well you know because yeah. that's the sort of person that would work in that environment exactly like that. Mm-hmm. yeah you but, expect mortician to have have like figurative and literal skeletons in his closet like, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but it still works though like on on the analogy basis yeah. Like, yeah. You know? yeah yeah and it adds an extra layer like an extra layer to the film yeah. I think um, one, once you actually work that out yeah. or once, you, once you know, someone's actually told you about that theory mm-hmm. um, it kind of adds an extra layer to the character and um, I mean a, a, apparently uh, um, oh, who's the guy who plays who's the guy who plays Ernie uh, um, I'll tell you the second apparently whenever he Don Calfa Don Calfa apparently whenever he got the uh, the part he rang up his friend and he said, oh, I've got this part in this, this horror film. Um, I play a, a, you know, a, a mortician, and his name's Ernie Kaltenbrunner. And his, his friend actually knew of Ernst Kaltenbrunner and said yeah. to him, you know, seriously, that, that's your character's <laughs> name? And he's like, yeah, why? Do you not know who Ernst Kaltenbrunner was? And no, and he's like, well, he was a, you know, a, a Nazi uh, war criminal. So yeah. I, I, suppose, I suppose the name Kaltenbrunner isn't, isn't the kind of German name you would just stumble upon if you were trying to write a generic German yeah, a character, you know, German origin <laughs> character, and Ernie, especially with it, you're, you're writing a Nazi there. Like that's it's 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 probably more likely than not you're you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But what about um, Burton Frank? Yeah, they have a kind of weird weird relationship. Yeah, I suppose like well, what I kind of well, you can't really make it out from the, their immediate like relationship, but there's. Uh, 
it's like looking out for things in the background and i think there's like an eye chart yeah place. yeah it said like it says bert is a slave driver doesn't it Something yeah, yeah. And, and, and a bald bastard and a, and a yeah. cheap asshole yeah i think there, there's like a, there's an argument over whether it's a cheap asshole or a bald bastard or yeah. something. i think it's i think it's like um it's hard to see in the, in uh, the vhs uh, is it bert or frank that says in the thing i think it's bert yeah uh, it says i think it's just like Bert is a slave driver and a cheap asshole, <laughs> and he's going bald too. Ha ha! I think that's what it says. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like what I was reading about it was you can't really make it out. Uh, right. No matter how like the quality of the film isn't good enough. Apparently, oh. see the uh, apparently, bottom letters. Actually, on Blu-ray, uh, apparently if you pause it at seventeen twenty-nine, <laughs> okay. you could read Bert is a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch who's going bald too. Ha ha! <laughs> was it? But I mean, um, when people watched that in the cinema, presumably it was yeah. pretty pretty visible. Yeah. Well. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the every every edition I've seen has been pretty blurry. Like. Ah. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen the Blu-ray. Well, I, I would recommend um, getting or watching uh, the the uh, 30th anniversary Blu-ray edition. Yeah. It's uh, phenomenal. It's okay. uh, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, Blu-ray has kind of done a lot for. Um, the um, kind of old horror films and a, a lot of um, a lot of the older kind of uh, low budget films you know like uh, uh, the uh, the Chio Fulci films and things like that yeah um, don't you know sometimes it doesn't actually benefit from the uh, the, the Blu-ray because you know well first of all the special effects are low budget um, yeah. so so it kind of you know it, you, you lose something uh, in that and also yeah. that kind of graininess that you get from those kind of you know 70s and 80s horror films um, uh, sometimes taking that away um, you know you kind of lose a certain atmosphere in the film but yeah. I can safely say with Return of the Living Dead um, it really adds to it yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a film that's it's it's colourful and it is like a comic book yeah, yeah definitely and it's, yeah, it, it's it works like, I mean I, a lot of the films you're talking about are are made by people who understand the medium of film so well that they, they use it and take an ingenious <laughs> An ingenious route of using the low quality to benefit their their visuals, but uh, obviously, yeah. obviously that that's not done about <laughs> Definitely <laughs> with uh, full two films, like um, I, I I I can't say I've seen them in HD or anything, but the zombies aren't of the best quality most no, of the no, time. Like, no, God, no, like, um, but but that, that, that's you know where their effectiveness lies in, yeah. in the fact that they're, they're blurry and it's. Yeah. it's, it's but yeah, but like the Zoom was in there, like it's definitely the case with uh, Return of the Living Dead. Like, especially that scene, I think it's really good. The one we were just talking about with uh, the the woman lying mm. on the, the the sort of like the embalming table. Yeah, and yeah. They're they're chatting to her about like why she's doing this. Yeah. Well, which once again, it's the same person that did Tarman. Yeah. So it's the same puppeteer. And, yeah, yeah. 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 He was a like, quite a young guy. I can't remember his name, but. Um, there's a there's a documentary in the uh, it comes with the uh, Blu-ray um, and uh, it kind of explains how the producer I think was an English guy named Tom Fox if I remember cor- correctly had asked him to go away and make this um, prosthetic you know half half zombie person um, and uh, I think he initially thought you know this this guy's a bit of a you know he's he's about nineteen kind of skinny dweeb he's not going to be able to do it. 
But apparently, when he came back in with the thing, they you know, immediately yeah realized that it was it was brilliant. It's mm. it's a good effect. Um, like. It is a really good effect. And the, the interesting thing is that the the zombie has uh, blonde hair and blue eyes, which apparently Obama oh, yeah, Ob- Obama requested. I kind of yeah. thought, I remember kind of watching it and like at the time you're going like, why does she have pink hair? Yeah. Well, like I, at the time, obviously, it's because she's soaked in blood. Yeah. Like, but uh, yeah. I, I remember watching it going, like, oh, I don't get yeah. that. But then you don't really connect it at the time that she's yeah. been dragged through this pill of blood before. Yeah. <laughs> but the blonde hair, blue eyes, is that another Nazi? Yeah, thing? well, yeah. yeah. Right enough, actually. True. Is it? Um, I don't know. It could be. It, it, it could be. It could be. Maybe that's just what Obanum liked. It could be. Yeah, he liked uh, his strippers. What, what about uh, the well? One one big. That's why I put boobs. <laughs> one big thing that uh, is yeah, it hasn't really become iconic, but it sort of should. Is that fucking rubbery man that attacks them at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, the corpse they have, yeah, the, the, cadaver. the cadaver, the cadaver they have. I thought that was is a really it? good. Um, now that you mentioned that, actually, that's a really good opening scene. Like yeah, when, when they fell him up from his feet. And yeah. you can kind of tell that's when everything's going to kick off. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I think it's Frank that taps Freddy on the shoulder and goes, look alive. Yeah, that's that right. Yeah, like, exactly. It's kind of a, like a narrative. To... <laughs> what, a, what a loaded comment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that, that rubbery, that, that rubberishness to the world, like, how, how do they do that? Like, that, they obviously, that's not a, a real, that's, that's somebody wearing, wearing like, a, like, yes. uh, what do you call it? What do you call those things that you wear in the sea? Um, oh, like a diver, diving suit or something, you know? It's like it's it's somebody <laughs> wetsuit or something. Wetsuit, like yeah, <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. It's, uh, but uh, it's a simple word. <laughs> but somebody wear a wetsuit like that. That's that's crazy. That's that's something something else. It's like it's it is, a whole different texture to a person. That's it's strange. definitely weird. why did they go with something like that? Well, instead the, of just a, a naked guy who looked a bit wearing a lot of like makeup. Well, the initial the initial um. Um, that sequence was initially uh, kind of uh, done by I think the, the guy was called uh, Bill Muntz Will, William Muntz uh-huh. and he had initially done um, the makeup for that scene but um, and this is all in the documentary this one with the uh, Blu-ray um, I think it's essentially every, every task they gave him he wasn't really doing a very good job so exactly. he, he didn't do a very good job with the with the actual zombies yeah. they didn't actually meet the requirements of the 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 producer who was kind of, you know, the uh, art director who was designing them. And then, especially with this scene, apparently it didn't work out, kind of his way of doing it. So he actually got fired. Right. And they actually brought brought in a new guy. And that's why everything after that looked better. But did this happen halfway through? I think so, yeah. Because there's definitely a point where he gets a bit, well, chubbier. Or a bit fatter, or something. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, he's really bloated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, according to the, according to the documentary, the problem was that basically anything that Dan O'Bannon wanted, Bill Muntz did. Yeah. And that he didn't have enough gall to kind of stand up for himself and and, yeah, and, yeah. and know as a special effects guy and be no. able to say to yeah, Dan O'Bannon, no, yeah. that this isn't going to work. This is going to look shit. Because it looks like rubber chicken. It looks like yeah. being attacked by a giant rubber <laughs> yeah. chicken. Like, it's so. It's. But it's it is still. It's but still it is a really creepy scene though, like in terms of yeah. like how they oh, kill him. Yeah, it's yeah, that's true. I yeah. think it, it kind of like a, well, what I thought was kind of well. I know it's the whole sort of slapstick thing as well, but what makes it kind of creepy is they're talking about oh. What, what happened because remember the reference to the film you go like mm-hmm. what did they do in that film how did they kill them <laughs> didn't like, happen oh. in the movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you've got to like you know, 
destroy the brain or whatever and then yeah. the first thing they do is go for the brain with this massive pickaxe but as soon as they do it the guys the, the zombie starts screaming yeah, yeah, yeah locked yeah. into the ground yeah like, so like face right. first so they yeah. have to saw saw him up with something called a bone saw which <laughs> yeah, yeah. is absolutely horrendous and actually, yeah, he it, says get the bone saw at one stage because yeah. no he saws him with just um, uh, what do you call those hacksaw saws? hacksaw yeah, it is a hacksaw yeah. he just saws his head off yeah. <laughs> casually <laughs> as you do <laughs> And, and then the, so that doesn't work and then he goes get the bones <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. I suppose it, it's a good narrative device as well uh, like this, this this fucking thing that you're going to have to experiment on to find out what is going to kill these guys like mm-hmm. this big rubber thing it takes a little bit of the horror away but yeah. Um, it uh, yeah they, they can do they do everything to it like they, they yeah. try everything they can to kill it it's a it's, so a, that- it's a good way of establishing the the boundaries of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because in the in the Romero films, you just shoot them in the yeah, head, yeah, and that's exactly. them done. Yeah, but in this, yeah. that's not going to work. Like there's no yeah. kill. Them so they've got to cut them up and take them across to Ernie in plastic bags. <laughs> apparently, apparently, you know, um, when the, all the kind of individual bits are in plastic bags, mm-hmm. and they're kind of squirming around the floor of Ernie's um, uh, crematorium. It was you know those little wind up monkeys yeah, with symbols. Yeah. Was that what they were? Yeah, but obviously, yeah, obviously yeah, they so. they <laughs> removed the symbols and then just had them all kind of rolling around on the yeah, floor. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's a good idea. But that's another interesting thing about the whole um, Ernie being a Nazi thing. You know, he he kind of he's he's against burning them alive because it's cruel. Yeah, but right but enough, but, he, but he's happy enough to take them out into the true. Camp. True, that could be something again for or against the um, the backstory. Well, it's a bit weird, but then he's he's he's, uh, he's happy enough to take them out into the uh, car park and shoot, shoot them, them, which is what yeah, his suggestion yeah. is. Well, I think, and I I don't actually know you know what gun law or anything is like in a place like Kentucky. I was gonna say that's. Like, but if you if you took animals out into the car park and just, and them, just yeah, shot them with like, a service revolver, well, it's probably all right. It's <laughs> probably fine. It's that's a weird grand. problem with the script as well because whenever those guys originally come in uh, well actually whenever um, what do you call him uh, Bert comes in the first place and says oh you know I need a favour can you do this and he goes oh it depends what it is and he says right okay wait wait there a second I'm going to bring a couple of my buddies in and he goes oh you can't do that that's illegal did you remember that line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but, he says like anything for you, and then oh, yeah, something. And like that's that. illegal. Yeah, but yeah. what I think it is is I was trying to read up about this. I think it's bringing people in to like look at dead bodies oh, in okay. terms of if, right. if you're embalming if you're embalming them. Yeah, I think that's there's some sort of legal clause in that. Where I always yeah. wondered about that line when yeah. he says that's illegal. Yeah, yeah that's it, what it, I was it thinking. Does jar. Yeah, you're right. What does so, he think they're gonna do? But then yeah. in his head, that's illegal. But it's fine to bring out animals yeah, and shoot, shoot them, them. Yeah, in, a, yeah. in a public car park. Yeah. And, and pretty much <laughs> everything <laughs> else. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 grand to do that, but uh, apparently you can shoot as many animals in the car park as you want. Which is legal, <laughs> especially if they're in a massive bin bag. Yeah, you shouldn't. Nobody will hear the sound. What does he? What does he say? They are rabid weasels. Rabid, rabid weasels, weasels. That's right. <laughs> uh, and then the the uh, the arm obviously falls out of the bag and yeah, the, and then yeah. totally shits himself. We uh, we've we've actually uh, this is a a drink related uh, pause, but we've uh, just opened. Open some German beers to toast uh, Ernie Calton Ernie <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a dubious manner whether or not he deserves a toast yeah is, uh, we uh, could potentially be toasting that's, that's up to the Hague to decide <laughs> but uh, we were drinking Augustiner uh, Brau uh, Edelstoff 
Lovely. Which is normally only available in Munich, but uh, we know a very good off-licence who have sourced some for us. So, um, <laughs> nothing but the best in North Belfast. Yeah, no, nothing but the best, like I told you. It was a good brewery. A good off-licence. Do you think um, Ernie's favour that he asks? Because he, he never clarifies oh, what he does the favour could be. No. Well, to, to put it in context as well, oh, yeah. like, um, he's, he's offered... Uh, I'll do anything you want sort of thing if you get rid of this problem for me uh, yeah, by yeah. Bert. Um, um, and he sort of thinks about it for a while but never comes up with it and then just does it like he sort of never says what it is and then he just gets gets on with the task yeah. at hand. He, he does sort of say when uh, Bert, um, if anybody hasn't seen this, um, Ernie uh, says he wants a favour for in, in return for burning the bodies. Um, but... Um, he does sort of say that if Bert returns safely, that will be his his favor. You know, he wants Bert mm-hmm. to survive. He sort of implies that when Bert's going out, running to the car, Bert goes out to try and get oh, into yes. the car. Oh yes, I forgot He, he says something about his favor. He doesn't really make it explicit, but it, that it could be it. It could be a moment of kindness, or it could be him saying, "Don't you fucking forget about my favor." <laughs> I well, want no, that right. favor when you come I, back. I think you're right. I think whenever I watch it, watch it, I, I I do take it as his his favor is come back alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it probably but, was not meant to be, but um, yeah. I was kind of thinking in the same time, it's something to do with him essentially being a like Nazi war criminal, like yeah, an escape yeah. one. Okay, and yeah. The favor could somehow tie into that. So if he doesn't yeah, come yeah. back alive, yeah, his favor's gone. <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, you have to hide me if if yeah. Ah uh, uh, yes, uh, like comes looking for me. You have to yeah. Yeah, you have to hide me in your your medical warehouse. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that could be something. Mm. But the reason he runs out is because this is the stage at the kind of towards the end of the film when the zombies are kind of closing in. And they keep eating all the um, paramedics and oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, officers. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> they keep firing pa- paramedics at the problem and uh, they keep being eaten. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's that scene, I think that's what you were referring to earlier on, when the zombie takes the... Uh, the oh, the send for paramedics. Yeah. He says it really weirdly, doesn't yeah. it? I think they like lower it, don't they? Like the lower the octaves, if you like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. there's a bit where uh, a zombie dresses up as a traffic warden or traffic yeah. cop and stops the cops who are on their way and says, <laughs> you know, waves waves a beacon at them and says stop, and they stop because it's another cop, and it turns out, ho ho, it's all it's all a massive bruise. <laughs> and a shitload of zombies yeah. descend on the cars think, and eat yeah. all the cops, and then the cops become zombies. It's a, it's it's a weird a weird twist on the zombie idea, where zombies yeah. are more intelligent than. Yeah, it definitely is than um, living humans. Yeah, think, like we touched on this earlier, but we didn't go into it. It was like the thing I was thinking of. It's uh, Tarman. Yeah, and whenever he gets the sort of the chain and ties it to the. Uh, the locker that your your woman hides in. Oh yeah, yeah. That was weird. Like, yeah. You wouldn't like a zombie would never like your classic zombie would always just thump on the door with like yeah, you know, yeah. Like, if, if even yeah, if even yeah, yeah. Just get confused and give up. Yeah, and pressing yeah. against yeah. the glass. They're, they're, they're not. They're uh, not Argento brand zombies. They're they are just they're just they're just people who are past past the point of being yeah. alive that um, want to. But do they become more? Eat. 
like more or less. I, I don't. I don't think they're more intelligent or anything. I, I think they they are as intelligent as human beings, but they um, yeah, um, they That's... display it less, but use it when when they need to. Use it. Um, I suppose we talk about plot holes and stuff as well, though. But there's a, there's definitely a few when it comes to how the zombies act. Yeah, like because um, yeah. there's definitely a bit where uh, I think it's when they have the half woman on the table mm-hmm. and Ernie says something like. They're no stronger than us. It's a, he's bound her down, and one yeah. of them's like worried that oh, is she going to get away? And he says, oh, they're they're no stronger than humans. But there's definitely a few points in the film where they display a lot of strength. Yeah, yeah, like more so, uh, especially when apparently they can crawl up through like well meters and meters of like soil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, a break out of a coffin. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Even though they've been with like, with ease, yeah, it. and they've no right. muscle, it's probably rotted yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all those years, like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think with the, the well, the uh, other thing with the paramedics that's interesting is that uh, one of them's called Jerry, and apparently on the set the actors refer because in in the credits they're just called paramedic one, paramedic two, um, but one of them is, I think is referred to as Jerry, and apparently on when on the set the other one was referred to as Tom because they thought. <laughs> well, if those two characters are called Bert and Ernie, then we'll be Tom and Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry. yeah. Which is weird. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting that uh, those uh, the two actors. I mean, they're obviously they're obviously kind of minor minor part actors. You know, they only had a few lines. Um, but uh, it's interesting that they kind of had that. You know, enough interest in the movie to to know that, and they obviously spotted it. And Dan O'Bannon didn't even spot you know the the whole Bert and Ernie thing, which mm-hmm. is yeah. Poor old Dan O'Bannon. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, um, Dan O'Bannon died quite recently, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. He died, I think. It was roughly the same time. Probably why it wasn't picked up. It was roughly the same time as Brittany Murphy. Oh, yeah. Her. Uh, so it was like a Princess Diana, Mother Teresa type thing? Well, they're just Dan. Well, they're both, Dana. well, they're, well, not, they're not, I was going to say they're both bastards, but <laughs> I say Mother Teresa is more of a twat. <laughs> like, um, yeah, see, like, like um, up other information on that. Like, I'm not going to go into it. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, poor old Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon, mother treason. I mean, the thing is that I, I think uh, Dan O'Bannon is a bit of an unsung hero. Oh, definitely. Like, when, I mean, when you consider that he wrote Alien. Wrote Alien. I mean, that total, alone. Total recall. Yeah, yeah. Total recall. Yeah. Um, um, was involved with Star Wars as well. Was he? He was, yeah. Um, he does. What did he do for Star Wars? He... I don't know if he touched up the script or something. Well, I hope he didn't because it's awful. <laughs> um, but he was definitely involved. I think it was like with special effects or something like that. Amazing. But he was definitely involved. Um, um, he because uh, he he went to a university. I think he was in film school with um, John Carpenter in Kentucky. Oh, okay. Uh, and obviously, he and uh, he, he appeared in Carpenter's you know first kind of film, uh, Dark Star. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did, yeah, he have, yeah. did he help write it at all? I think he helped write it as well. I don't think he also plays the main character. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he wrote the, the original, like the original story, uh, as and yeah, maybe did some script stuff as well. Yeah, I think like the last thing he did was Aliens versus Predator. Oh yeah, which wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, and at the time I didn't realize it was Dan O'Bannon. But was he actually involved in, in that? I think he helped write it. I think he was one of the yeah. writers because because you know at, at the end of every single Alien film. Throughout the franchise, it says based on characters created by Dan O'Bannon. 
Yeah, I, so think, actually, I don't think he was involved in the other ones. I think he was involved in Alex. Yeah, I, 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 I think that that series is one of the worst things I've ever seen. It uh, is pretty it's, bad. It's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> um, I, it's one of the one of the few times I've ever considered leaving a cinema uh, was was pretty much every one of those movies. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. See them in the I hated them. So I hated them. What Alien? Alien vs Predator? No, oh, no, Alien, Alien vs Predator. I didn't mind Alien vs Predator too. It was like, it was like I, I wish they would get over the action scenes so I could see some more talking. And now whenever they're talking, I was like, oh, I wish I was just seeing action. I wish they would stop talking so I could see an action scene. And I was like, no, no, they should definitely go back yeah. to the talking scene because these are terrible. Uh, it was um, Indiana Indiana Jones, the uh, most recent Indiana Jones. D and I, I saw that with you. Yeah, yeah D, well, we went to see. I it, saw it with you as well. Yeah, but we were in different parts of the cinema, and you t- yeah. actually texted me. Halfway through to say I want to go. I think I remember. Like I think yeah. I was sitting beside you at the time. No, you were. Uh, you, yeah, you were somewhere else in the cinema, and you actually texted me and said, "I, I, I want to go home." <laughs> <laughs> actually, that was the first time I ever met you. Was it Indiana Jones? Was that? Yep. Yeah. Jesus, how long ago was Indiana Jones then? A long time ago. Um, maybe it was because <laughs> well, like, sort of you always confuse your memories in your head, but. Like, mm. I think there was one scene I thought I'd said to you at the time, but maybe I texted you. It was during the the scene with the fridge. Yeah, I said I want to go home already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I mean, uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, the other um, Donovan film that is kind of uh, resonates with me is Dead and Buried. Do you, um, you guys ever seen? Yeah, actually, you I did. watched it. With yeah, you. We, we watched it one morning. We were hungover. Um, <laughs> It, I don't think I've seen it. It was it was actually a video nasty. I mean, it, it, it's actually quite uh, quite well produced, mm-hmm. but it, but it was actually banned, and it was it was actually became one of the seventy two video nasties. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of about uh, this town, um, kind of sea, remote seaside town, where um, these uh, kind of people are, are being killed, and then we eventually learn that the people who are being killed turn up live and. You know, well and walking about and talking to everyone, mm-hmm. and the the whole thing is about this kind of secretive town where there's this crazy yeah. doctor doing all this stuff, um, and I mean, when when you consider that, and what do you call it, um, heavy metal? Oh yeah, heavy metal. That uh, it was the B fifty seven scene. I can't remember the particular name of the plane anyway. The the aircraft, yeah. um, which I would urge anyone to look. At. You can see it on YouTube yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, he did that. He like wrote that particular scene. It's the best huh? bit of heavy metal as well. Um, it's, you... it's 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 just interesting when you you know if if you said you know to someone on the street who's who's Steven Spielberg or who's James Cameron, chances are they would know. But if you said who's Dan O'Bannon, chances yeah. are they, they might not know. And yeah. when you look at everything he's done, you kind of think why why is Dan yeah, O'Bannon yeah. yeah why is why is Dan O'Bannon not not more. Well known, yeah. I think I, I think I, I kind of remember that whole like. Uh, I don't think you should necessarily like rate sort of celebrity deaths, but I remember when Brittany Murphy died, and it was the same week as Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon didn't get any press, yeah. But but Brittany Murphy did. Um, but like Dan O'Bannon's responsible for well, Alien. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alien alone <laughs> and Total Recall and, and Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's, and had his hand yeah. in. He had his hand in Night of the Living Dead as well. Yeah, and um, so so many other, so many other films. It's, it's, it's insane that he. <laughs> but the, the, you come back to this idea of him being a bit of a being a bit of a knob. 
Um, apparently, mm-hmm. watching the documentary, like most of the, most of the actors do, seem to kind of say he, he like he wasn't a very nice person to to be directed by. He was actually he was a bit bossy, okay, and he wasn't very comforting. Um, and uh, there's actually one um, kind of anecdote from the filming of Return of the Living Dead. Um, all the rest of the characters um, met uh, about two weeks before they started filming, and they were kind of going through rehearsals. So they all kind of built a bit of camaraderie but Clue Gallagher who plays um, Bert he kind of arrived just as they were starting filming and I think he had had a bit of an ego and obviously O'Bannon had a bit of an ego but the two of them apparently didn't really um, uh, hit it off very well and obviously Clue what didn't have the same camaraderie with the rest of the actors so he kind of must have felt a bit left out and now he, he denies this but mm. some of the other cast members are on record as saying that at one point, the arguments between Dan O'Bannon and Clue Gallagher got so bad that he actually attacked uh, Clue Gallagher. Actually, attacked uh, Dan O'Bannon with a baseball bat. Oh yeah, fucking <laughs> hell! <laughs> yeah. He actually chased him around. And whenever they're whenever they're describing this in the documentary, um, Jewel Shepherd, who plays Casey, um, she doesn't seem to really like Dan O'Bannon very much, but she's kind of laughing about it and she says, you know, she was just sitting smoking a joint. Watching this happening, <laughs> thinking it was the most single, most hilarious thing she'd ever seen, um, and he he obviously denies that, you know. Um, but you know, yeah. takes a bastard to be a good director. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know. That's the thing. I always think if um, nice people are generally quite, uh, you know, uh, introvert and they and they're not very confident because you know yeah. they give other people the benefit of the doubt and aren't sure about themselves, but absolute twats. Are completely sure of themselves, yeah, and maybe it takes it takes a knob to be to be as good a filmmaker and a director as Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, possibly. Um, I suppose, like on the other side of that, like hear stories about Steven Spielberg, though, um, but him being a nice fella. <laughs> oh, know. Steven Spielberg supposed to be a nice guy, is he? Apparently, like, oh. uh, Clue Gallagher actually. Uh, Clue, is it Clue Gallagher, Clue Gallagher, or whatever? Well, it's spent spelled kind of. Gulager, Gulager, I'm assuming yeah. it's Gallagher and something. Yeah, um, uh, apparently the cast were so worried that about his uh, lead pipe that he he wields in it that they uh, <laughs> they thought he was he was acting too violently uh, with with his lead pipe that they replaced it with a rubber pipe. Right. <laughs> so maybe there is something. Uh, they, they they thought yeah they thought that he he would uh, literally murder somebody with, uh, <laughs> with this this lead pipe so they replaced it with a rubber pipe and. Uh, it is yeah. It's, it's not not certain if he knew that they replaced it. <laughs> maybe he thought. Uh, maybe they thought he and Dana Bannon weren't getting on well enough, and Chloe was gonna hit Dana Bannon over the head with a lead pipe. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I suppose not to. I don't want to digress too much, but uh, I heard something like that recently with um, uh, what did you call the second Batman film with Heath Ledger. <laughs> It was, the he was, Joker. was it just called The Dark Knight? It might have been just The Dark Knight. Yeah. Right? But, uh, where he apparently asked, um, what do you call Batman? It's Christian Bale. Um, he asked Christian Bale to genuinely attack him in the interrogation scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was that sort of thing. But like, I don't know if that actually leads to a better, <laughs> yeah. better scene or not. I know. I mean, like you hear those anecdotes, don't you, about you know people actually punching yeah. people and you know because it gets the. Uh, I mean, apparently. Um, uh, the scene where Tina first kind of comes across Tarman. Yeah. There were kind of, well, there's kind of two two stories. Um, the, the first is um, 
she she didn't see Tarman, you know, in his makeup and all dressed up until they were shooting because O'Bannon wanted to get an actual effect. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is whenever Tina runs up the stairs and classic horror movie the the steps oh, break the steps. and she falls yeah. down. Yeah. Apparently um they uh, O'Bannon told her um Right, we're, right, we're not filming yet, so don't worry. You know the uh, steps are okay, but um, would you mind running up and getting something for me? And but the steps, the false step actually was. Oh in place. yeah, yeah. So uh, the the footage you see of her running up the steps and actually crashing through the stairs is actually real. And, yeah. appa- and apparently, she says the actress says, um, whenever she's kind of struggling on the ground, obviously audiences are sitting going, "Come on, get up, run, run." Yeah. But the, she actually, in real life, was genuinely hurt because she yeah. fell three steps. Yeah. This is this is the this is the thing about O'Bannon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these these stories keep emerging about O'Bannon just being a complete nutter well, ball bag. I, I was reading about. I think it's what we were talking earlier about the paramedics scene. Um, I think it's when the second paramedics come along, or maybe it's the first one. I can't remember, but anyway, uh, one of them gets tackled by a zombie because you see the whole crowd of them rushing in. Uh, one of them yeah. genuinely gets tackled, and it does look like it's a proper like. Well, American football tackle. Yeah. But, yeah, apparently in real life, he ruptured his spleen. Shit. Yeah. Who, the... The, 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 the paramedic that got tackled. Holy crap. Yeah, the actor. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It does look real. That's when you watch the film as well. I know. And, you, and you've got to wonder, you know, is it worth it? Is it worth it for a good film? Is it, is it worth kind of tricking tricking your actors? and For that one second. For that one it? second. Of, <laughs> yeah. You know, and are the people who are sitting screaming and watching Return of the Living Dead, are they kind of... Are they benefiting from this realist approach to filmmaking? Who <laughs> yeah. knows? Well, uh, I suppose it leads, leave, that leads us nicely into the question of Return of the Living Dead. How does it rate as a horror film? How does it rate as a zombie film? How does it rate as a film in general? Uh, well, I think, I mean, from my own personal taste, uh, I like my zombies kind of um, placid and and shuffling and slow. Uh, I like um, uh, the Romero stuff, obviously. Um, I love uh, Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. I love the uh, Blind Dead series. Um, so I do actually like my zombies a bit more kind of placid. Having said that, um, Return of the Living Dead is one of my favourite films, I think. Whether or not it's one of my favourite favorite zombie films, I don't know. I think there are plenty of zombie films out there that I would, would rate over it. Um, Lucio Filci's uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters being one of them, Dawn of the Dead. Perhaps even the first Evil Dead film. Um, so Manchester Morgue, I would definitely rate over it. Yeah, I mean, Manchester yeah. Morgue is phenomenal, especially when you yeah. consider it was like made in like what, 1976, two, yeah. two years before Dawn of the Dead. Uh, it's an unbelievable film, and it, it's, definitely, um, it's definitely underrated. It is. Uh, and it, 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 it will. It will be. It will be on our, our list. Oh, absolutely. We, we will definitely yeah. cover that. <laughs> Fleabag. What do you think? Um, yeah, I would say it's probably one of the better zombie films I've seen. To be honest, um, I think it's one of the first zombie films that sort of introduced the idea of well, running zombies. Um, I think it well as well. Like that's kind of controversial in itself. Yeah, but I mean, then, you're you're positing that as a good idea, and yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, that's, like that's, that's interesting in itself. Like. I think it kind of only came. Uh, I think it first came about as a really scary thing when you watch. Well, I know it's not technically a zombie, but like twenty eight days later. Yeah, yeah. But um, but this is the first one. I think it broke a lot of rules in terms of mm-hmm. uh, what a zombie supposed to be. Especially with ones that are intelligent for a start, or somehow retain a memory, 
or have some sort of idea of existing in the world where they previously didn't. For example, there's one, well, we were talking about the paramedic one that said, send more paramedics, when he's clearly dressed as a Civil War veteran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how the fuck would he know yeah, what yeah, a, exactly. how a would paramedic, he know paramedic is? Um, but yeah, so there's stuff like that. But like, because it's a bit sort of tongue-in-cheek anyway, you can kind of forgive it a wee bit like for the, those sorts of things. But no, I, I do really like it. Um, I think in general, yeah, it's, it's it's one of the best zombie films I've ever seen, I would say. Yeah, mm. I, I would go that far. I, I, I think Tarman especially is a character you'll remember, but maybe it's just because he is a character. Mm-hmm. And he says, brains. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh... I personally think it's uh, it is a very good zombie film, and it's it's uh, for, for the main reason that it it is a totally different zombie film. It's not like it doesn't follow any of the rules of any zombie film that I've ever seen or seen before or seen since. It's uh, it's it's it 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 is totally out there. It's um, <clears throat> it's got zombies who walk around talk talk about their own their own mortality and talk about their their own needs and their own desires and it, it they they actively chase them down they're just people they're just people who are dead who have come back and it's 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 us it's the living being haunted by their their memories of the dead you know it's it's, it's something strange it's something mm-hmm. totally different and it, it wasn't ever really picked up upon again like you know it's, it's it's an idea that was just just forgotten about you know it was done once and it was it was sort of cult uh, but it, uh, yeah, it was never picked up upon again, and I think that's 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 kind of a shame. It could have been expanded upon, like, but uh, it, uh, it may be a good thing because it was never taken too seriously because it wasn't supposed to be taken too seriously. But uh, I think, um, yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a really a really enjoyable zombie movie, and uh, it uh, you can't really compare it to most other zombie movies mm. because. It's, it breaks all the rules and it, it, it not not in a, a rebel a rebel way it just like in it, it just it has to be its own thing so it uh, it's necessary for the rules of other zombie movie, movies not to apply to this so uh, yeah yeah it, uh, that, that's uh, definitely interesting because I suppose when you consider Night of the Living Dead I mean Romero had broken the rules anyway because prior to that when you consider the kind of the earlier zombie films zombies are kind of just they're just slaves, really. I mean, yeah. I, I'm thinking of kind of that Hammer film, Plague of the Zombies, and there were yeah, kind yeah. of earlier films, even like White Zombie. Zombies are just kind of, they're just kind of placid slaves, whereas yeah. Romero took it to zombies are kind of, you know, yeah, shuffling cannibals. Well, and I then uh, in Return of the Living Dead, they, they become again kind of conscious, self-aware, yeah. Yeah. you know, things with, with character and personality. I was going to say, like, maybe a good comparison for a film would be Day of the Dead because it came out the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's not so much, like, because it's another Romero film, but uh, I don't think it's so much that Romero zombies are slow shuffling characters. They, they are to an extent, but, like, you can see through sort of, well, the evolution of his films that he kind of sees them as creatures that kind of learn after a while. Yeah, like bugs. 
Yeah, exactly. So I, I think like with Return of the Living Dead, you've got innate kind of intelligence with those zombies, mm. which seems to exist. But and with, different personalities as well. Oh, definitely. And so I think like with Return of the Living Dead, you've got like, well, as I say, innate stuff. So it's like personalities that are, that are kind of intrinsic to them. You know, how they died is how they live. Or yeah. well, how they return, sorry, um, in a way. Whereas with Day of the Dead, you've got like, start from scratch. With, as I say, Bob, you know, he's, yeah. he has to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think um, it's it's a good analogy, like our well, sort of comparison, sorry. Yeah. Um, so it is, yeah, 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 right. yeah. Yeah. So have we anything else we want to say about Return of the Living Dead? I don't know if we do. No, I think, I think that's... I think uh, we've, we've buried it. I think we we'll have. I think we've buried it, and hopefully it, it, uh, it doesn't return. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, it will. It's uh, it's it's impossible that it won't return. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it again. Well, maybe we'll do part two at some stage. Oh God, no! <laughs> do oh. I have to? <laughs> I don't think it's that good. <laughs> it's better than part three, anyway. Part three is fucking awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah terrible. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, unless there's anything, unless there's anything anyone wants to say, that's that's Return of the Living Dead. That is Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah, to uh, play us out, um, I have organised uh, a little compilation. I spent ages doing it, so please, please do listen. <laughs> That's applauded beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been Ian, and this is... Uh... I've been D. And I've been Paul, and uh, Ian's got something very, very, very good. <laughs> Oh, yeah, actually, we need to um, touch upon what we're going to be discussing next time. We do. Ah, okay. So, is it going to be D? Well, I was thinking about doing They Live, John Carpenter film. They Live sounds good. Yeah, yeah good choice. Okay. So, join us next time for a bit of uh, satirical uh, Orwellian alien it's invasion. Last for ages, They Live. <laughs> I know, I know. We're going to do six hours on they live. <laughs> six hours on they live. <laughs> okay, but for now, um, cheers for listening, if indeed anyone is. And, uh, yeah, see you next time. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Never. I like it. It's a statement. You see that movie? Night of the Living Dead. You know that movie was based on a true case. That's not possible. I mean, they showed zombies taking over the world. The cops said they'd shoot us if we go back to the park. Yeah, and I ain't in no mood to die tonight. I like death. Why do you eat people? My people. Brains. The pain of being dead. It's the light over here. Ash is taking off her clothes again. <laughs> <laughs>